Today's a, a special day, not just because it's Thanksgiving weekend, but we've got a special friend in the house. Once or twice every year, we ask Joel Holm to come be with us and share on a Sunday morning. Joel and Marie are great friends, have been friends for several years, and the longer we know them, the more we love them and appreciate them. The thing I appreciate about Joel is he always has a fresh take and a fresh perspective on everything, and God's Word is no different. He has some great insight. He's going to become or going to come and share this morning in just a moment, but I want you to do me a favor. Uh, some of our very, very, very most favorite special close friends, put your hands together, make a lot of noise for Joel and Marie Holm. Now, you got to live up to all that now. Good morning. Happy Thanksgiving. We had a full Thanksgiving as well. Our kids were over, a lot of their friends, family getting together. So you have this whole crowd. And then some of them went and did Black Friday. You guys do Black Friday? I never quite got Black Friday. It's like Black Friday usually leads to Broke Saturday. <laughs> it was about a year ago, around this time of year, when I read through the Gospels, uh, all four of them, and every time Jesus gave a command, I wrote it down. And I ended up, surprisingly, with a list of 52 commands. So last year around Thanksgiving, I got this idea for myself that I would do this spiritual challenge, and in 2017, every week of the year, I would take one command and just try to follow it as best I could. Because when I wrote the 52 commands, I was even surprised, what, what are these 52 commands? And how do I live them out in the 21st century in Southern California? And I did that for this entire year. I've got four weeks left in this spiritual challenge. But there seemed to be something so interesting about it that I actually turned it into a little devotional book that just came out called Follow 52. Following the 52 commands of Jesus, one command, and one week at a time. This is available for you if you want to get it. What makes it especially special for the bridge is that Ron Cargi, who many of you know is a partner of this church, wants to produce this in India for people there for the year to do it as a spiritual exercise. So every one of these that you pick up will allow us to print five of them uh, for Ron. But I would encourage you, either as a gift or for yourself, what are the 52 commands of Jesus? And what does it look like to just try to follow one for the week, every week over the year, and do what he says? Because everything he gives us is for our good. We were sitting around at Thanksgiving and we were talking about what we're grateful for and somebody said, I am grateful that I get to encounter God. Somebody else said, I'm actually grateful that God wants to encounter me. As much as you want to encounter God, you come to church to encounter God, as much as you want to do that, do you know that God wants to encounter you? So you don't have to stress about getting to God. You don't have to try to figure out how do I get to God. He's the one who designs it. And this morning, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture where he gives us a picture of how he wants to encounter us and how he wants us to encounter him. Before we look at this passage, I want to show you the picture. They're going to put it on the screens. This is a picture of what Peter teaches us that we can uh, learn from. Guys, go ahead and throw that picture on the screens. Or not, one or the other, doesn't matter. There it is. Take a look at this. This is the corner of a house. Now you'll notice at the very corner there is this rock called the cornerstone. We're all familiar with the cornerstone being Jesus. But Peter's going to describe this cornerstone with four words that may inspire and surprise you when he describes 
how Jesus wants to encounter you in your life. Then there are these other stones. He actually calls those living stones. He gives us the same name he gives the cornerstone. He's the living stone. We are living stones. And when you put the cornerstone and the living stones together, you have an encounter with God that will blow you away. So I want you to open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2, and we're going to look at this passage of Scripture and discover how much God wants to encounter us. Verse 4. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. And the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is what they were destined for. But you, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You, you are God's special possession. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Here's what Peter says. A cornerstone with living stones equals a spiritual house. And when he describes this cornerstone for us, he quotes Isaiah and he gives us four traits. This cornerstone is chosen, he's precious, he's rejected... And he's living. And in each one of these traits, we get this promise of who God wants to be in our lives. So first, the chosen, in verse 4. He says he's a chosen cornerstone. This means that God is in control and he's setting everything up. That this church, your home, your life is divine. It's not just natural. And when he describes Jesus that way, our response should be, thank you, Lord. Because a natural cornerstone and a natural church just gives me natural answers to my problems. And I don't know about you, but natural answers do not solve my problems. I need divine answers to my problems. And he says, no, I'm in charge. I have chosen this. I will make it happen. When Jesus said, I will build my church, he didn't say, I will build your church. But to that, what he's saying is, I'm the one who's in control. Your response, if you want to build on the cornerstone of a chosen one, is we expect him to do the divine. If he was just a natural cornerstone, our choice, our selection, our activity, our spirituality that allows God to work in our life, then we would only expect the natural, what I can make happen. But since it's a chosen cornerstone, I can expect the supernatural to happen. When Peter writes this, he draws a lot of Old Testament imagery. When he calls us his special possession, his holy priesthood, he's actually quoting Exodus when God brought the Israelites out of Egypt and they're on Mount Sinai and they're turning into this nation. And God says this, if you'll be my people, then you can expect my glory to fall. And Moses says, God, I want to see your glory. And God says, my glory is so great, you cannot look upon it. Peter draws on that and he says, listen, church, you guys, expect God to do divine things in your life. That's what it means to build on this cornerstone. Why? Because he's 
chosen. It's as if Jesus comes to us just like he did in the New Testament and he asks us, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want? We know because we're building on this cornerstone, we can expect healing. We can expect provision. We can expect grace and forgiveness and mercy. There's a divine answer he gives to us because it's divine cornerstone. Then he goes on and says he's a precious stone. That there's a treasure, a riches that's here. Now we have to be honest about this. Most of the world looks at Christianity and looks at the church and says, I don't see treasure there. I just see misery. Why would you ever want to go to church? You have to wake up early in the morning. You miss football. What's the deal? And they look at it and they say, it's miserable. Why would you want to follow all those Christian rules? And sometimes, if we're not careful, it kind of leaks itself into our life. I was at a church a few months ago, and this lady came up to me afterwards, and she said, you know, i got to tell you a story that happened here. She was a member in the church. I said, what happened? She said, a few months ago, an 85-year-old man came to church. Really? He had never been in church in his life, she said. For 85 years, he did whatever he wanted. He came to church, and he gave his life to Christ on the weekend that he was in church for the first time. And a month later, he passed away. And I said, wow. And she looked at me, and I appreciated her honesty, because she said, it just doesn't seem very fair, does it? I said, what do you mean it doesn't seem very fair? She said, well, for 85 years, he does whatever he wants, has the time of his life, one prayer, and he's in. I've spent 50 years trying to obey God. It just doesn't seem very fair. If that thought crosses your mind then you don't get the precious cornerstone. Because I am really grateful that this 85-year-old had his eternity sealed, but for 85 years, he missed out on a treasure. He missed out on the riches that were available for him from God through Jesus Christ. Peter would so be familiar with this because Peter spent three years walking with Jesus, and Jesus taught about this all the time. Jesus would be walking with the disciples, and Jesus would say, hey, there was a parable of a man. And he went into a field, and he saw a treasure that was so valuable that with joy he went and he sold everything he had just so he could access that valuable treasure. This is the precious cornerstone. Now, we know we don't buy our salvation. But what Peter heard Jesus teach, that he's teaching us, is this cornerstone is full of treasure and riches. But to align your life with it, to have that kind of a God encounter, you have to do something. You have to make this choice. Jesus said, whoever tries to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life, for my sake, will gain so much. The best way I can illustrate this for aligning on this treasure and having access to all the treasures of heaven for you today? When I was single, 30 years I've been married this year to my wife, Marie. 30 years ago, I was single, right? So I'm this single Joel. Single Joel had a pretty cool life. Because single Joel could do anything he wanted to. I could spend my time any way I wanted to. I could spend my money any way I wanted to. Single Joel could date anybody he wanted to. That's one of the perks of being single Joel. You're in control of your life. Then my, this lady named Marie shows up. And she literally says these words to me. I will give my life to you. Forever. 
I will love you. I will never forsake you. I will be with you forever. She says to me what Jesus says to us. Now, single Joel has a choice. Because there's a treasure there. And I want to be married. But if I marry Marie as single Joel, I'm still in charge of my time. Still in charge of my money. Okay, maybe I don't date whoever I want to date, but I'm still controlling all of my life. If I marry Marie as single Joel, I don't actually access the treasure of all the love she has for me. She just becomes kind of a helper for me while I'm single Joel making decisions. But if I say, you know what, single Joel's got to die. I no longer make decisions about time or money or life on my own anymore. Single Joel dies and husband Joel now gets to access all the riches, all the love that's there. For me, as Jesus taught, easy decision. With great joy, I set aside my single life and joined in this marriage because of the riches and the treasure that was available for me. This is what the Bible teaches. There's this cornerstone that is precious and full of treasure for you. You have no idea the riches of heaven. No idea the grace and the peace. You know the trouble you have right now in your mind, the anxiety? You have no idea the peace of heaven that's available for you. But you've got to align yourself with that cornerstone, meaning you've got to make this decision. Is it still single Joel? Or does single Joel die? And I enter into this relationship where decisions about my life get made in a partnership with God. So this treasure is there for me. That's why Paul would say in Philippians 3, 7, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. So here's Peter saying, I want you to know the kind of encounter that God wants to have with you. It's an encounter that's divine because he's chosen. It's an encounter that's so full of the riches because he's precious. But then he gives us a third characteristic. This one I don't like. He says he's rejected. A rejected stone. Now Peter quotes not so much the Old Testament, but he quotes Jesus quoting the Old Testament. Let me explain to you what happened. Peter and Jesus are walking along, right? And the religious leaders come up to Jesus and they ask him this question. By whose authority are you making these statements? Because remember, Jesus is a 30-year-old carpenter from Nazareth. And here's the kind of statements that Jesus is making. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I have authority to forgive sins. So it's understandable that these religious leaders come to Jesus and they say, who do you think you are? You're a carpenter. And you're saying you have the authority to forgive sins? Jesus didn't say, I know the way. He said, I am the way. He didn't say, I know the truth, listen to my teachings. He said, I am the truth. He said, guys, it's all about me. And these religious leaders come to him and they go, you little arrogant twit. Who do you think you are? And Jesus quotes the Old Testament that Peter quotes in this passage. And Jesus looks at these religious leaders and he said, the capstone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Jesus says, I am the cornerstone. Peter's quoting this when he says that. 2,000 years later, society looks at the church and we say Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. They look at us and they're just as deeply offended as the religious leaders were. Who do you think you are telling me what I have to believe? 
Who do you think you are saying Jesus is the only way to know God? Except for us, we want to avoid those discussions. Because none of us want to be seen as narrow-minded and bigots. Jesus didn't avoid them. He stood right up to them. He says, no, this is about me. Peter quotes this. And he says, listen, you've got to build this life on a cornerstone that's rejected. Why is this so important? Because he gives us a promise in this passage of something we access in an encounter with God when we stand for the faith that we believe in. In verse 6, he says, the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Because here's what happens. You go to work with wisdom and with love. You stand for your faith. And somebody says, who do you think you are? And with wisdom and love, you stand in your faith and you're rejected by that person, discriminated against. But when that happens, you discover how much God accepts you and how much God affirms you. And rather than needing the acceptance of people, you're drawn into the full acceptance of God. My daughter, when she was 15, went to a public high school. She was in the theater department. And they were doing a play, a musical. And there's 50 kids around during rehearsals and five or six of the teachers. And they picked really inappropriate costumes for these girls to wear in a musical. My 15-year-old daughter stood up in the practice and she said, I, I can't wear that. And they said, why not? And she said, because I think it would really dishonor my Lord Jesus if I wore it. And she could kind of hear the snickers of the students. She told me it that night, and I said, Rachel, wow, that's amazing that you did that. How did you feel when it was going on? And she said, Dad, you know, I, I've been probably a Christian my whole life. But when I stood up in front of my friends and my classmates and these teachers and I said that, I felt God so strongly like I've never felt him before in my life. This is why Peter says, yeah, you know this cornerstone? He is rejected. Maybe by society. But when you stand for your faith, you discover the acceptance of God in a powerful, powerful way. He's this chosen cornerstone, divine. What do you need him to do for you? You expect it. He's this precious cornerstone, treasure, one that you're willing to give up your life because of the treasure you access. He's this rejected cornerstone, and you stand on truth. And when you face discrimination, wow, you discover his affirmation in your life. And then Peter gives us one more. He's a living cornerstone. And Peter wants us to know how alive and how real Jesus is. I had this experience a little while ago. I was in Ralph's shopping. There was a big line at the checkout counter. So the guy in front of me was pretty talkative, so we'd start talking to each other. And he asked me what I do, so I told him that, you know, I'm a minister. And he goes, oh, I don't believe in God. I said, really? He goes, no, I, can't. I don't believe in God. I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, if you, if you prove to me right here, right now, God exists, then I'll believe in him. I said, I can't. He goes, yeah, that's what I thought. You can't. I don't believe in God. And then I interrupted him, and I said, but I know somebody who can. And he was a little startled. He said, what? I said, yeah, I know somebody who can prove to you that God exists. He said, who? I said, you come to church with me with an open heart and an open mind, and I will introduce you to the guy who can prove to you that God exists. He said, who? There's nobody. I said, no, there is. I know a guy. He can prove to you that God exists. He said, who? 
I said, you come to church with an open heart and open mind, and I will introduce you to Jesus, and Jesus himself will prove to you that God is real. He quickly took his cart and went to another checkout counter. <laughs> Sometimes we think we have to defend Jesus, prove Jesus. Peter says, no, he's a living cornerstone. Just as much as the person sitting next to you is alive and real to you, this is how real and alive Jesus is. As Zach said, he's right here, right now. Peter says, this is the encounter he wants to have with you. Not a traditional one, not one based on the past or creeds, but a living relationship that is divine, that is precious and rich, and that is full of his affirmation and love. And we go, how do I get this? How do I tap into this? I want this kind of encounter where a supernatural God who has the resources of heaven and will fully accept me where I belong and he gets me and I don't have to worry about rejection, who's alive like my friends or my family is. How do I encounter this? And Peter gives us this answer. He says, he's the living stone, but to encounter that, you have to be the living stones. And he uses this funky language for us that they would have understood clearly. He says, you have to be a royal priesthood. Now, they would have understood this because in ancient culture, every religion, even Judaism, here was the framework. There were people and there were their gods. And there was this gap between them. And this gap was characterized by fear and judgment and wrath. The people could not access the gods, and the gods did not want to access the people. So there was this gap. So every religion creates a spiritually elite group of people. They're called priests. And a spiritually elite place is called the temple. And the temple and the priests have a specific role, bridge the gap. History teaches us that the Romans actually thought Christians were atheists because they didn't have priests and a temple. Jesus comes on the scene and he does not get rid of priests in the temple. He changes it. He says, you are all priests now. You are all the temple now. Nobody is disqualified. It doesn't matter how bad of a week you had last week. It doesn't matter how you shouted at your wife. It doesn't matter the thoughts that went through your mind last month. It doesn't matter what will happen in the future. Nobody's disqualified by his grace. You are now all priests. You all have access to God together, and you all help each other have access to God together. That means that everybody can build on the cornerstone. It is not our spirituality. It is our identity. And yet in our identity, we have this role to play. If Peter was here this morning teaching his passage far better than I could, he'd go, you got to be priests. We go, well, what does that mean? Do I like wear a funky robe and wave incense? He'd say, no. Do your job. Do your job and you will encounter this cornerstone. He wouldn't say it with harshness or judgment. He wouldn't say it with religious obligation or duty. He would say it with an expectation. You know what is available for you? Do you know what God wants to bring into your life? The divineness the preciousness, the love and affirmation, the living Jesus, do your job. Be a priest. So my question is, what's a priest? I mean, I know what a husband is. I know what a father is. I even know what a volunteer at the Bridge Church is. What's a priest? 
And Peter gives us the answer in this passage with two things. He says in verse 5, you've got to build together if you want to access this. And then he says you've got to make this declaration. What you do together and the words that come out of your mouth have a great impact on if you access this living God and all that he has for you. First, we build. Verse 5, he says, we are being built together to offer spiritual sacrifices. The image that Peter teaches us is the one we saw on the slide. There's a togetherness, the living stones. We're like linked together. There are some living stones that I stand on and they support me. There are some living stones that I support that I'm linked side by side with one. There's this kind of linkage together that happens. Imagine a construction site. Most of us have been to one. They're building a house. You see the house that's being built. You see the bricks and the stones that are linked together. And like 10 feet away, you ever seen that one brick that sits on the ground alone? Some of us feel like that. I'm on the site, but I'm laying on the ground 10 feet away. Nobody gets me and I just don't fit. Peter says, you want to access the cornerstone, you got to be in the house. you got to be locked in together. And as priests, we help each other fit into that house. Because what the Bible teaches, and you got to get a hold of this, is nobody gets to know God in his fullness alone. It doesn't happen. Years ago, before Gary and Ann were even here, Gary and I developed a friendship. He did not know Marie at that time because we were still living in Chicago. So we got to be friends, and Gary felt like he knew me pretty well, and I knew him pretty well. About after two years of a friendship, Marie came out to California with me to visit. And Gary, first, for the first time, had time with me, with Marie present. And I'll never forget what Gary said. We spent a couple of days together, I think it was. And Gary said, you know, Joel, I thought I used to know you. But with Marie present, this whole other side of you came out. A side of you I would have never known if Marie hadn't been present. Now, I'm not sure if that's good or bad. <laughs> but Gary discovered a whole other side of me because Marie was present, bringing it out. This is what the Bible teaches about how the body of Christ works. You think, I just need me and Jesus. Just me and Jesus alone. Gary could have easily said, I don't want Marie around. She'll interfere with my time with Joel. Just me and Jesus but what happens is when Gary's in my life, he brings out sides of Jesus that I can't tap into on my own. And I discover more about Jesus with Gary present than with Gary absent. The Bible says if it's just you alone, you won't tap into everything Jesus has. But when you have friends and living stones together, all of a sudden I discover things about Jesus that I wouldn't know without you being present. I need you in my life because you bring out sides of Jesus. I can't get access by myself. He says, you got to do this together. So on this cornerstone, some of the riches, some of the love, some of the affirmation, I can't tap into that by myself. But if you're in my life, all of a sudden I'll discover more of this. God helps us through each other. I had this strange experience take place just a little while ago. My daughter needed to buy a used car. So I went on Craigslist, which is always a little sketchy. You know, you never quite know what you're getting into when you go on Craigslist. But I went on Craigslist, and we typed in the filters how much money she had, the kind of car she wants. 
Now, there are millions of users on Craigslist in Southern California. Tens of thousands of cars. One car popped up. One car had been listed 15 minutes earlier. So I quickly got on the phone to this, whoever it was, selling the car. He answers the phone. Now, I'm a little cautious because, again, Craigslist, is it a serial killer on the other end of the phone? You just quite never know, right? But he seems like a really gracious man. And he gives me his first and last name. Well, I thought if he's willing to give me his first and last name, I'll give him my first and last name. So I said, yeah, this is Joel Holm. I'm buying a car for my daughter, Lisa. And the phone goes silent for like 10 or 15 seconds. And I thought, well, that's kind of weird. He comes back on. He goes, are you the Joel Holm who wrote the book See Life Different? Which is a book I wrote a couple of years ago. Now, capture this. Millions of users on Craigslist, tens of thousands of cars. The one car I pop up on the computer, I call the guy, and he's in the middle of reading my book. What are the chances of this? First thought that goes to my mind, he knows I'm a minister. He's going to give me a really good deal on the car. I'm still growing spiritually. The Holy Spirit whispers to my heart, do your job, Joel. Do your job. Be a priest. Because here was a man who had an older daughter that was going through some struggles. And he felt like a brick. There's the house. But I'm all alone. And some of you feel like a brick. I know where the house is. I even show up on a Sunday morning but I'm all alone. I can't tap into the encounter that God wants to have with me. We did buy the car from him, but I spent time praying with him. Because my job as a priest was to just pick up gently that brick and say, hey, you are not alone. Encounter the cornerstone with me. And through me, this is how Peter says, you tap into everything God has. You don't do it alone. I'm so grateful for the Bridge Church, this spiritual house that even I get to be a part of and discover Jesus through. Then Peter says there's a second thing you got to do, though. You have to declare. It's kind of a strange thing that he says in verse 9. Declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness into wonderful light. It's like Peter saying, you want to tap into the cornerstone in this encounter with God? What you say really matters. And not just what you say, but he describes it to us. The praise of him who called you out of darkness into wonderful light. It's about God's work. It's about my identity. Peter will remember back that there was a time when he was walking with Jesus and he said something that was so far from the truth that Jesus looked at Peter and said, get thee behind me, Satan. You're no longer my priest. Now you're working for the wrong side. And Peter says, listen, you want to encounter this? The divineness, the precious treasure, the affirmation, the living Jesus? What you say really, really matters. Here's why. There is an enemy, and he puts these myths in our mind. Myths that are not true, but they kind of hover there. You don't really belong here. If they knew 
how I raised my voice at my wife a few weeks ago, they would never have me stand up here and preach. If the people sitting in my row knew my actions last month, God can't really love me. I'm faking it and everybody knows I'm faking it. And there's all these myths that run through our mind and those myths will stay there until somebody comes to us and makes a declaration of who God is and what he has done in my life. And the moment that declaration is made, it dispels the myth. And all of a sudden now I can tap into that cornerstone. Right now, some of you have myths that are floating around in your mind. And you need us to make a declaration. Well, I had this really come across to me just a little while back. I don't like to get dressed up. Pastor Gary says I have to wear nice clothes, so this is nice clothes for me. If you come to my house in Huntington Beach, I have baggy shorts, a ripped t-shirt, and no shoes whatsoever. This is my comfort clothes. This is how I always dress, right? But you got to dress nice for churches. So my kids who dress me, they don't physically dress me. They tell me what to wear. My kids who dress me said, Dad, you need a nice new pair of pants. I said, well, where do I go to get that? And my daughter said, go to Nordstrom's. And I said, I don't want to spend $900 on a pair of pants. She said, no, they have sales, but it's kind of more fashion. So I go to Nordstrom's and I walk in, you know, ripped t-shirt, baggy shorts, and I got a pair of sandals on because otherwise they won't let you walk in the store. And as I walk into the store, I go over to the men's section, right? And the guy who's in the men's section as a salesman looks like a fashion model. I mean, he's just decked out, just sharp looking, all the latest models. And as I walk up to him, our eyes meet. Now, we don't actually say anything to each other, but our eyes meet. And through it, he communicates volumes. It's like he looks at me and he says, really? You really think you belong here? No. Go. Go to Bass Pro Shop where you belong. Like a few weeks later, I'm thinking at church in Rancho Cucamonga, and I get there early. I got nothing to do. And there's a Bass Pro Shop. So I thought, I'm going to the Bass Pro Shop. Maybe they got a pair of pants. I walk into Bass Pro Shop. And I go to the men's section, and there's the sales guy. And he looks like a Bass Pro Shop guy. He's got the overall long, big beard, probably a chew of tobacco in his mouth, you know. And he sees me coming, but I'm dressed nice because I'm preaching at a church. So I got nice slacks on, a nice shirt. And I walk up to him, and he doesn't say anything to me. But our eyes meet. And when our eyes meet, it's like he speaks volumes. He looks at me and goes, really? You really think you belong here in Bass Pro Shops? Go back to Nordstrom's where you belong. Here's the point. Neither one of them were actually thinking that. I just thought they were thinking that. And if either one of them would have come up to me and said, I am so glad you're here. Wow, I'm really glad that you came here. We'll take care of you. We'll help you out. If either one of them would have spoken that out, it would have dispelled the myth in my mind. Every weekend, there are people who come here in both services. And they have a myth in their mind. And they will never tap into the cornerstone unless we are a church who declares the goodness of him who brought you out of darkness into light. And the myth is dispelled. And we go, wow, we're so glad you're here. It's such a good thing you're here. You make us better because of your presence. God loves you and he accepts you. And the myth is dispelled. Some of you are here, this first service, and you walked in with a myth. 
I don't deserve the riches of God's heaven. Jesus is just far away. And he wants you to know that it is no accident that you are here. That he loves you so desperately that when he was on the cross, it was you that he had on his mind. He's that cornerstone. That's the encounter he wants to have with you. Be a priest, a living stone. Build together. Because nobody taps into all of the cornerstone by ourselves. We need each other to do that. Declare and listen so that the myth will be dispelled. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Pastor Gary's going to come up and close this. But just take a moment because Jesus is living and he is present right now by his spirit. Let him speak to you. Let him just show you how much he loves you and how he wants to encounter you. While your heads are bowed for just a moment, please. It's pretty obvious that God has sent Joel here today to speak to all of our hearts. And his words are really the words of God speaking to us today because there are people in this house, you've got myths floating around in your head that have separated you from God. I just want you, as your head is bowed for one moment, just allow the Holy Spirit to just begin to blow that myth right out of your mind. Father, turn our hearts to you. Turn our minds to you. And let your love and your grace just push the lies of the enemy right out of our minds and bring you into focus. Your love, your acceptance, your grace. That we can accept the greatest gift ever offered anyone, the gift of life that comes through Jesus, life eternal. You can bring us into that relationship where each day we know you more and we become more of the stone that you've created us to be and more, we learn more about your presence. God, do that work in our hearts right now. While heads are bowed for just one moment, eyes are closed. Maybe you're here today and you've listened to this message and you think, you know, this is wonderful, but I'm on the outside looking in. I'm not one of those stones. I don't know Jesus Christ. I'm not in relationship with God. But maybe while you've listened to Joel speak today, maybe your heart's just turning over and over and over inside because you want in on this. That's the Holy Spirit knocking. That's God's Spirit, His presence, knocking on the door of your heart. God convincing you, I want you, you belong. I want you to be in my family. That's God extending His grace to you, but you have to open your heart and say, I want you in my life. Like Joel was sharing, we do that with words. You call it prayer, but it's just words talking to God. While every head is bowed, every eye is closed, I want to lead you in a prayer that will help open that door and allow God to begin to work in your life. And I'm going to ask everyone here to pray this prayer after me. Just repeat these words right out loud. You don't have to scream it, but just open your heart. Wrap your heart and your faith around these words. Pray this prayer with me right out loud. Say, Lord, I need you. God, I open my heart to you. Please come into my life.
I want to know you. I put my faith in Jesus to be my Savior, to become the Lord of my life. I will learn your ways, and I will walk with you, and I will see your blessing. Thank you for receiving me. From this moment forward, you are my Father. I am your child because of Jesus. Amen. 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 Hey, if you just prayed that prayer, I want to say thank you so much. It's the greatest decision you ever make in your entire life. But it's not the end of the journey. It's only the beginning of the journey. And we have a little tool we want to give you. It's called the next seven days. And when service is over this morning, we want to put this little booklet in your hand. It's just a little bit of devotional reading for the next week. And what it'll do is it'll help you understand how much God loves you and all the great things he wants to do in your life. We want to give it to you. So when service is over, we'll have prayer teams here at the front of the building. They're here to pray with anyone for any need you might have. But if you just walk forward to one of these teams and just say, hey, can I get the booklet? They'll give it to you right there. If, even if you don't remember the name, the next seven days, they'll give it to you right there. They want to help you get started walking with God. If you've got questions or you want prayer for something else, they're here to help you with that as well. If you're in a really big rush, just before you exit the building through the glass doors out in the lobby, there's a table set up there that says the next seven days. They'll give you the same booklet right there. They just want to be a blessing to you and let me encourage you today before you leave stop by joel's resource table i got the first copy of this is it is this my copy no this is my copy here i even got joel to sign it for me because i found out when i was in india a couple of years ago he is a famous author and you all need to find out about this too so stop by and pick up one of his books and i promise you it will impact your life i'm anxious to go through follow 52 this coming year and see what god does new in my life and while we're on the subject we just had a lot of people open their hearts to the lord can we put our hands together and welcome people into god's kingdom today pastor Corey, come ahead Hey, one more time. Can we thank Joel for such an amazing message this morning? You know, while, while Joel was sharing, he, he sparked a thought of mine. Um, I was at the gym earlier this week playing basketball, and, and I wear a lot of rings, but I only wear my wedding ring when I'm playing basketball, mainly because I can't really get it off anymore. Um, and, and this guy, this gentleman walked up to me, he says, him, and I've played basketball with him a few times. And he says, are you married? And I was like, yeah, I am. He's like, what are you, 16? I was like, it's like no. And I was like, I've been married for eight years. I got married when I was 20. And he w- his face lit up and he was like, you're 28? I was like, thanks, dude. Like, I appreciate that. <laughs> I appreciate you being surprised. And then his second surprise was, you got married at 20? And then he went on to say, and I'm thinking, yeah, I know, right? It's so exciting. Like, I found someone at 20 to marry me. And then he goes, you could have had so much fun. And I said, bro, I've been having a lot of fun being married, okay? And, and <laughs> I immediately thought how upside down the world's thinking is in so many ways. And you know, this is the part of our service where we get to worship God with our giving. And when it comes to giving, it seems like the world's thinking is 
pretty upside down to what the Word of God says. You know, Joel mentioned a verse in Matthew today where Jesus is like, hey, you try to save your life, you're going to lose it. But if you lose your life, oh, you'll find it. And that sounds pretty upside down, but this is what Jesus is talking about. Today, when you give, know that you're giving to an amazing house. Joel talked about as priests that we build together. I wanted to share with you something that we got to build together last week. Last week, it was Thanksgiving, and we got to give away about 150 turkeys, and we got to provide food for 528 people. Now, I really just think that, that when you think about giving, it, it can seem a little bit upside down. Will we give, live generously, and God will bless me? Uh, doesn't it make more sense to just put it all in the savings account and for it to earn interest, and that's how I'll... But God says, we will live generously. But then when I learned things like this, that our giving got to affect 528 people and provide food for them on Thanksgiving. To me, that's not upside down at all. And so today, when you give, as the ushers come, when you give, giving confidence, knowing that your giving matters and your giving really is making a difference. And while you give today, let's check out church news together. Welcome to The Bridge. My name is Ashley and I want to thank you for being in church with us today. It's a pleasure getting to share the morning with you and your family. We hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving and we're looking ahead to everything that's happening during the holiday season. So let's check out church news and take a look at what's coming up at The Bridge. Christmas is just a few weeks away, and we are so excited to not only spend this season with our families and our friends, but to also have the opportunity to help families who are in need through our Adopt-A-Child program. Today, we will continue accepting name submissions for children whose families are facing financial hardship and might not otherwise be able to receive gifts this season. If you have a child or children whose names you would like to submit to receive Christmas gifts, we want to invite you to come and visit our Adopt-A-Child table right after this service. The table is located in the South Hall, just through the double doors to your left, outside the sanctuary. Names must be submitted by parents or legal guardians only, and birth certificates are required for verification. If you have any questions, our team is happy to help and walk you through the entire process. Please take the time to come and see us after service. We would love to meet you. Then, over the next two Sundays, December the 3rd and the 10th, our church family will have the opportunity opportunity to sign up and purchase gifts for these awesome kids. Let's meet some tangible needs and make a difference together in people's lives this Christmas season. 
Man to Man is coming up in just a few short days on Tuesday, December 5th at 6.30 p.m. Every man is invited to be here for an awesome evening of fellowship and the study of God's Word. This month, Doug McAllister will be sharing more about the weapons that God has given each of us to defeat the enemies that we face in our lives. So guys, join us on Tuesday, December 5th at 6.30 p.m. for Man to Man 2.0 Giant Killer Edition. and tell you more about everything that's happening in the church. While you're there, be sure to grab a copy of our Fall Connection Guide and check out all the different ways that you can get connected at The Bridge. You can also stay connected by visiting our website, thebridgechurch.tv. There you'll find details about everything that's coming up. Finally, if you made a decision to follow Christ today, please pick up your free copy of The Next 7 Days from one of our prayer teams or at The Next 7 Days desk in the foyer. We want to help you get started in your walk with God. Thanks again for spending your Sunday here at The Bridge. Have you enjoyed being in church this morning? Awesome. Before you go today, one last thing. Uh, You saw on church news that we have our Christmas production just two weeks from today. So on your way out today, stop by the Connection Center, grab some of our invite cards. And also, if you're a business owner, you have anywhere that you can hang up some posters. We also have posters as well. So tell your friends, bring your family, tell your neighbors. It's going to be absolutely amazing. Hey, we'll see you guys next week. Have a phenomenal week. God bless you.